What's up, guys? Welcome back to the West Vi Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Disruptive Adventism. Disruptive Adventism is a platform that encourages people to contribute to the changing of the fabric of Adventism through conversation, collaboration, and content creation. If you want to join in, head over to disruptiveadventism.org. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I am Les Vi, the podcast guy, and today I'm talking with a longtime friend of mine, Damon Gillum. We went to high school, actually we went to school together from third grade all the way up till junior year at uh, Burton Academy in Arlington, Texas. And Damon's got one of those jobs, uh, I don't know if you've ever just looked at someone doing something really awesome and just wondered like, how in the world did they end up doing that? And Damon's got one of those kind of jobs. Uh, a few years back I saw on Facebook that he was uh, picking up and moving his family to Cairo, Egypt. And he is the principal of Nile Union Academy in Cairo, Egypt. And he works there um, leading a staff primarily of volunteer teachers who come from around the world to support this school that services Egyptian and Sudanese, well, Egyptian students, students from Egypt, and then refugees from Sudan. And uh, it's an English language school. So they come, they teach them English, and then they take them through and teach them uh, an Americanized curriculum uh, that enables a number of these kids to be able to come to the U.S. Uh, for college. And uh, it's just a really cool thing that he's getting to do. Uh, took his family over there. And so I reached out to him to see if he would come on the podcast. And I'll just tell you right up front, a big part of what I wanted to talk about was working through societal and cultural misunderstandings and preconceptions that are almost forced on us by the media and the propaganda that's put forward because he's working in a primarily Muslim country and he and I had a number of conversations uh, over the past and I really wanted to get him to be able to tell some of the stories that he's told me about interacting with the Muslim population there but unfortunately as is the case when you're in a third world country and you are kind of the man uh (laughs) He had to cut our interview short, and so we didn't get to get all the way into that, but we did get to talk quite a bit about uh, his journey uh, from the States to Cairo and a little bit about his interactions uh, in the community. So um, I wanted to share it anyway. If you remember back um, to my conversation with Lee G, if you've been listening faithfully, um, you know, Lee asked me what my thoughts were on what to do, you know, if something was good enough or or when to release something, when not to release something. And, and I made the comment then, and I'm, I'm being faithful to it now, that I was going to release everything that I recorded, even if it didn't come out the way I wanted it to be, or even if I didn't think uh, it was good enough, I was going to release it. Because this is part of the process of growing, of doing something new, of learning anything. Is that, And really, it's just part of leadership. It's part of life, that things aren't always going to go the way you think they're going to go. And so I was so grateful for the time that I was able to get with Damon. And, uh, and I wanted to share that because uh, it is, it's part of the process. Interviews are going to get cut short. Things are going to happen. But, um, but I wanted to share it with you anyway. So um, we're going to turn it over. It's a shorter episode today. But uh, I hope you enjoy it. Getting to hear a little bit about how uh, someone from North Texas ended up in North Egypt uh, doing something really amazing 
helping kids that uh, many of them are refugees, uh, cast out from their homes, run out of their countries, and, uh, and he's over there helping them to build a better life for themselves. So have a listen. Talk to you on the other side. Uh, for a few years, my wife and I had been talking, and we had both felt that while while we were enjoying our time in Arlington at Burton Adventist Academy, we uh, felt like there was something else that God was maybe pulling on our hearts to do something different, to get out of uh, the the kind of the predictable uh, routine that we were in. And we just, we both felt that God was wanting us to make a change. We didn't know what that was. We had explored some opportunities in Colorado, in Florida, um, prayed a lot, and weren't sure. And uh, then we felt that, no, maybe, maybe what God wants for us is to actually leave the country and do ministry outside of the country. And my, my wife uh, is fluent in Spanish, and we'd been teaching our, our children Spanish. And we thought, well, uh, maybe we could go to a Spanish-speaking country, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, uh, Belize, Costa Rica. Uh, and so I, I had been you know, trying to get in contact with some of the, uh, the education people in those countries through the, through the division. Uh, South American division, and uh, nothing was really coming of it. Um, and we were praying and saying, "Hey, wh- wh- what's going on here? We're we're qualified, we're educated, uh, we're hard workers. What, why aren't we uh, desirable?" You know, uh, sometimes we have that question. I think to God, like, "Wait, we're we, we're saying here we are. We want to go. Uh, what's wrong with us?" Uh, we kept praying and uh, we were you know, talking with some different, uh, different countries. And then I got contacted uh, by, by the uh, president at the time at the Egypt Sudan field, uh, Clayton Fetosa, Pastor Clayton Fetosa. And he asked if I had any interest in coming as the principal at Nile Union Academy in Cairo, Egypt. That the principal that had been there for a handful of years was going to be leaving and would be, be interested. Uh, at the time, our, my wife's uh, brother and sister-in-law had already moved to Egypt. So we already you know, had a connection there with, with Egypt. But at the time, with a, what, with a six and a five-year-old, a six-year-old and a five-year-old of our own. My, my son was six and my daughter was five at the time. We talked and said, no way. <laughs> we are not taking these little kids to Egypt. But, uh, you know, you don't want to close the door on God. So we prayed a lot about it and we set up a time to interview, to uh, video uh, chat with, with Pastor Clayton about the school and what the situation was. I had a list of questions uh, regarding the direction of the school, what was going on. And uh, over the Christmas break in 2016, we, uh, we connected with him. And it was a good conversation. 
the most scary uh, uh, stip stipulation of, of going to uh, Egypt is we had to agree to go for five years. And as you can imagine, you know, committing to go somewhere for maybe two or three years, you can kind of uh, shorter term think, okay, we can go and tough it out. Even if it's terrible, we can tough it out. But wow, five years, five years, you better be uh, fully committed and, and convicted that you're going exactly where God wants you. Uh, because five years is a, is a long time. Uh, uproot your entire family, especially with kids that were six and five at the time. Uh, pretty big deal. We made a list of questions and concerns and reasons why we should go, reasons we shouldn't go. And we prayed a lot. I, I think probably more than we ever have before during this time. And I tell you, Wes, every reason that we had for why we should not uh, come out to Egypt, over time, over prayer, through prayer, the Holy Spirit guided us and said, no, 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 this is why you must go to Egypt. You have to. And it was really neat and really reassuring really reassuring that this is what God wanted for us. And uh, my, my grandfather, my, my grandfather probably said it best. He's a wheat farmer, 93 year old, still farming in, in Denver, Colorado area. And we called him to let him know we were going. And I called him. I said, grandpa, we've committed. We are going as missionaries to Cairo, Egypt, to a school there. And his response was, uh Oh, <laughs> I, I thought, I, I thought, thanks for the support, Grandpa. And then I said, I, I said, well, Grandpa, we've prayed a lot about this, and we really feel that this is where God wants us. And he said, Damon, if if that's where God wants you, then you have to go. And I said, thank you, Grandpa. That's exactly what we needed to hear. And uh, it's absolutely right. If if God is asking you to go somewhere, to go do something, even as our minds might not be able to comprehend the situation, you've got to go. you got to go and do it. Yeah, so you've been there, what, two years? This is your second year? This is our second year, yes. Second year now. So what's the adjustment been like? You know, I, I think that most of us in, in the States have this idea of what an Arab country is like, a Muslim country, and the culture of it. What's the adjustment been like for y'all? What have y'all y'all seen, and, and what are the people like? Is it is it everything that we've been told to believe by Fox News, or have we been getting it wrong? Uh, very wrong. Very wrong, for sure. Uh, I tell you... Um, First off, I, I, I felt reassured uh, in May of 2017, before actually coming, I got a chance to come out for a week uh, to visit and transition with the principal at the time. Uh, and it was pretty fun uh, getting to see the students in the, in the school here, the boarding academy here. And, you know, I, I knew after visiting with the students that everything was going to be okay here. And that's because as I was talking with the students at the time, and asking what are the challenges, what are the problems at the school, what are the things that need improved. Uh, the answers they shared were, you know, the, the teachers are too hard. Uh, the, the work is too hard. The, 
The food at the cafeteria is not good. The internet is too slow. Uh, the, the girls are not cute enough. And I thought, man, I thought, I thought, man, these are all the same things the students at Burton at Arlington, Texas say. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. So, so I, I, knew, I knew that dealing with uh, youth, young people, uh, is the same in, in Dallas, Texas, or in Cairo, Egypt, and it was going to be okay. Uh, but regarding the community, the area, the country here, uh, there's definitely a, a huge adjustment. Um, it, it really is pretty much a third world country. Uh, where, where we're at uh, in northern Cairo, uh, you know, Cairo, the greater Cairo area is about 25 million people now. And the infrastructure is not, not, as well developed as it needs to be for 25 million. I, I've heard a lot of people uh, express that it's very similar to India uh, regarding the, the, the number of people, the crowds, the uh, difficulty with traffic. And uh, the, biggest, the biggest issue here that we have is trash. Uh, there's no infrastructure for proper waste disposal. Uh, everywhere you drive, there's trash everywhere being burned, uh, stray dogs, uh, everywhere, cats. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting when you're, when you're going to the store, uh, you can see, uh, a bicycle, uh, a motorcycle, uh, a little cart with a wagon, a tuk-tuk, uh, a donkey. A horse, a microbus, a Suzuki, a car. Uh, What's a, <laughs> a tuk tuk? Passenger. A tuk tuk is like a, um, a a hooded. It's like a hooded uh, golf cart, kind of. Uh, it's kind of like that. They're, they're very popular in Asia. Uh, tuk tuks everywhere in Asia, uh, and they they're like short distance uh, transportation. Okay. And uh, that's that's one thing you know uh, in this uh, culture. You know, the women, the women don't necessarily want to walk uh, a, a great distance. They're used to kind of being at home, taking care of the home, uh, staying inside. And so they might hire a tuk-tuk to, to drive them, uh, you know, 100 yards uh, <laughs> so that they don't have to walk that distance. It's very interesting. Hmm. Uh, but there's, there's tuk-tuks everywhere. Um, so many, many different modes of transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't take much to create a traffic jam that lasts 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a lot like India. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but I have found, you know, you said, well, has Fox News portrayed it right? Uh, I would say not at all. Um, I have found these people to be gracious, to be loving and kind very accepting and desiring of, of building relationships. I think they will build as deep of a relationship as you are willing. And from what I've seen from the other international staff here, it's usually us that are less willing to be uh, in, 
inviting and, and, and open to, to building relationships than they are. That's just been my experience. Hmm. So there, is it just kind of like the, <clears throat> do you think it's the kind of the, the pessimistic, I don't know if pessimistic is the right word, but just that coming over there internationally, the reputation of, of Muslims internationally just makes people unwilling to like trust and like let down the borders? Or do you think it's cultural and that Americans are just, uh, or I mean, I know all your staff is not just from America, but that we're more, that we're just more unwilling to build relationships. What, what do you think that is? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, in, in most of America, yeah, from my experience at least, you know, you go, you, you, you go to work, you, you work, you know, at your job, you interact with the people there some, and then you, you go home and you stay inside and, you know, you, uh, you order takeout, you watch, you stream movies, you, you are on Facebook, uh, the, the, the relational interactions, uh, don't take place in person, uh, as often as they used to, I don't think. And here it's very relational oriented. Uh, that's one, um, I would say issue that I've had, uh, with the, with the difference in culture. Uh, I kind of have this mentality of work, 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 get the job done, get the task done, check it off your list. And here, uh, they very much value you coming and spending an hour sitting and drinking a cup of tea just to talk, just to hang out, just to be together. That's valued much more than what your competence level is within your work. I mean, obviously there, there has to be a level of competence, but, um, the relational family oriented nature is much different than, than what I was used to, uh, back in the States. Mm -hmm. Do most of the people speak English or is, is the language a barrier for you? The language is a barrier. Um, we are actively in, involved in, in, uh, tutoring. Uh, we, we take, uh, Arabic classes, uh, each week, uh, because we, we do feel that that is a hindrance to our ministry here in building those relationships. Um, at our school, at our school, uh, it's an English school. So every, everyone at the school speaks English, but when we're out in the community, uh, it gets a little more difficult. Uh, but we are able to get, get around with the limited Arabic that we know. And, and it's usually you can usually find someone that speaks enough English to translate for you, mm -hmm. uh, to help you, you know, communicate. I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of friends, uh, in the community, uh, and they speak some English. And so we have a good time together for sure. Okay. Uh, but if I could learn more Arabic or if they could learn more English, uh, it'd be beneficial, but it's me, it's on me to learn Arabic. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the foreigner. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's important that I, take that serious and, and do my best to, to bridge the gap. Um, and they respect that. They really appreciate that we are, we are trying. Yeah. How's that, how's that coming? How far do you think you've gotten in the time that you've been there with your Arabic? Yeah. Um, as I said, the, the biggest challenge I think that we face is at the Academy here, we're pushing English. It's uh, we've got to push the English. And so we're, constantly trying to help students learn English. 
which is limiting our time of practicing Arabic. Uh, but I can, I can get to the, I can, with the Uber driver, I can get from point A to point B with my, with, with talking, not with GPS, with talking. And, uh, in the store, I can order, you know, the fruits and vegetables that I need and the amount that I need them. And I can understand the price, um, you know, simple greetings and communication, very short sentences regarding what you need or want or what you're talking about. Um, but we're, we're making progress slowly. <laughs> so, so it's Arabic. Er, Arabic Arabic is a very difficult language. It's a very difficult language. Um, you know, the the alphabet is very different. It's not a common, you know, uh, the difference between English and Spanish is much easier just based on the alphabet mm -hmm. and the pronunciation of words being, you know, it, phonetically, you can read a, a word in Spanish and, and kind of get it. Whereas this is, you know, a completely different alphabet, completely different uh, letters, and that is a challenge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and in, in 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 English, in English, you speak. You know, your tongue is in the front of your mouth a lot, and in Arabic, it's all in the throat. Uh, so the sounds are uh, one totally one letter in Arabic. <laughs> but yeah, one 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 letter in Arabic is ain. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was a letter so two syllables for one letter <laughs> right what are some of what is there any any stories you can tell about your interactions with uh you know people in the community outside the the gates of the school any any interesting stories you've had of building relationships there um yeah we've uh being being at a a school here in the community, an international school. Um, I've gotten to interact with some of the other principals uh, in the area. Uh, some of them are at government schools. Some of them are at private schools. And it's been it's been a, a pleasure to to go visit their schools, see the challenges that they face, talk about what they're doing, what what their frustrations are, what the good things that they're doing. Um, and just kind of making, making myself available and open to seeing the way things are done here, uh, culturally in, in education. Uh, but also when asked, when asked, not, not, uh, not offering it up as if I'm the, uh, you know, the, the expert when asked of my opinion, uh, of how to do something, you know, being able to give my point of view or perspective based on my experience of, of maybe some educational, uh, practices that might be beneficial for their, for their, uh, for their school, uh, is enjoyable. Um, but I, I, you know, as I said, I've got some friends here and uh going and just hanging out with them i was at dinner last night with one of my buddies and just hanging out talking about life talking about the, the way things are here is is a lot of fun uh our school because because we're an international school here it's it's gotten the opportunity to you know to kind of help out with some of the community uh issues 
And uh, we, we have at night, we have English classes for people in the community. Uh, and they're really excited about that. We're, we're at capacity. We don't have enough teachers to, to meet the needs uh, that they have. And we're building some really good relationships here, which is, which is a blessing. That's, that's my, that's my, my goal really is to show uh, people uh, that we are here to love them. And it's been interesting that the difference is, okay, so the main, uh, the main Christian religion here is the Coptic Orthodox uh, Church. And, you know, they have, a, they have their own pope, and uh, it's very large, but it's, it's, it's not, it's very different than Adventism. And so the, the people here seem to think, wow, you guys, you guys aren't, you guys aren't Christian. Who, what are you? And we're like, no, we are <laughs> Christian. Uh, we're just not, we're not Orthodox. We're not evangelical. We're not, we're not Catholic. We're Adventist. And uh, they call themselves, they're, they're like, no, 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 you're Muslim. <laughs> uh, you know, they say, they say, you're, 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 you're not Adventist, you're Muslim because you're like us. Sure, can, is it possible to pause for a moment? I'm sorry, Wes. Yeah. I was really bummed that I had to cut the time short with Damon, but uh, I completely understand something came up. Uh, unexpectedly that he needed to be able to attend to there at the school being that uh, he is the the principal of a boarding school uh, in another country uh, he has a lot of responsibilities and so um, that's just par for the course Um, hopefully maybe some point in the future um, I'll be able to get him on to finish that conversation uh, and tell some of the stories of the kids that are there and and the things that he's witnessed but uh, He's got a lot on his plate. It was. Uh, it took a long time to get that time scheduled, and uh, and so you know we'll see what we can do in the future. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to him, and I'll just share a little bit of my perspective on on what I was trying to get at with Damon uh, before we got uh, cut off, is that I look around and I, I get concerned because so many people are so willing to just take whatever's fed them on social media. Uh, by Fox News or CNN or or whatever, without thinking critically about it, what it is that that they're being fed by this propaganda machine that is really just seeking to move the masses. And and if if you step back and you take an objective look at what's happening to our world because of these narratives that are being told, it's it's dividing us. It's causing us to hate one another over petty and stupid things. And oftentimes, if you will look objectively at the information that's being presented and look at both sides and find what is common between them, it's not as black and white, it's not as stark as it's made out to be by the, by the establishment that's giving us our news. And, and I wanted to highlight that in light of how we as Americans are presented Islamic people. Because just like with any religion, any nationality, any really any organization, um, 
you know, Fox News gets painted this way, CNN gets painted this way. There are extremists in every in every system of um, division in our society. You know, whether it's religious breakdown or political breakdown, whatever it is, there are those people that go far out to the fringes, to the conservative or the liberal left or right, whatever you want to call it. But they are not representative of the majority of the people. And sure, there's a lot of extreme extremist Muslims that have done terrible things, but the majority of Muslims are just like you and me. They just believe in a different religion than we do. Um, but they're just good people trying to make a way in this world, trying to provide for their families, trying to be kind to their neighbors, trying to, to live a peaceful and good life. And it's unfair for it's actually, I would say it's immoral for any, any organization to paint with a broad brush across um, these groups that they disagree with or dislike. And so I wanted to highlight that. I wanted to, to try to bring that out to, to in cause us to think a little bit more um, objectively about how we consume information that's fed us by the mass media, um, especially social media. We get caught in these echo chambers. We, we find people that think like us and then we like what they like. And then, and then the algorithms and social media are de- developed and built so that they only feed us. It's like a, a self-referential feedback loop. They only give us the stuff that we liked before. And so we can lose sight of the, of the objectivity that we need to have when viewing the world. So that was kind of what I was trying to get at with this uh, interview. And unfortunately we didn't get there, but that's okay. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I really appreciate Damon and the time he was able to give me. And, uh, if you want to find out more about what he's doing over there, um, I'll link in the show notes to Nile union Academy's uh, website and Facebook page. Um, there's ways that you can contribute that you can be part of what they're doing. If you want to, uh, you can donate or you can volunteer to go over there and teach. If you wanted to do that, um, you can go for a year at a time and, uh, and help them out in that way. Or you can send donations to help them. Um, with the things that they need so that they can provide a great education to these students and change their lives. So we'll wrap it up there. Don't forget to check out uh, Andrew at 42design.co if you have any graphic design needs that you're wanting to get done. And uh, as always, love to get your feedback. Head over to iTunes, leave a review and a rating on the podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you every week tuning in. With that, we'll talk to you next time.